Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. Happy Resurrection Day, everybody. Welcome to Fierce Church. We're so pumped that you're here. Hey, as you are finding your seat, why don't you high five somebody and say, thank God for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for the blood. My sin is washed away. That's my favorite part, man. That's my favorite part of Easter. My sin is washed away. You know, if, you, if you're like, ah, sin ain't no big deal, then you probably don't really care about Resurrection Day very much. But when you let it in, yo, when you let it in, when you, when you get it down in your spirit that like, oh my gosh, I would be sentenced to doom apart from Jesus Christ. It just, it, it just does something different. So that's where I'm praying we're all going to go. But before we do that today, let me tell you about the men's breakfast that's coming up this coming Saturday. Men, look, man, I'm just telling you, you're going to want to be there, okay? It's really good food. It's not really long. And I know some guys are like, well, you know, Carter, I don't know anybody. Do you think maybe you need a context where you would meet men? Oh, check it out. We're doing a men's breakfast this coming weekend on Saturday morning at 8 a.m. So I'd love for you to be there. It'll be really dope. You've got a little like connect card looking thing on your chair nearby. If we haven't met, if you're relatively new to the church or it's your brand new first day, just a little secret, you get a free donut if you bring that down to the cafe thing. So you're going to want to go ahead and do that. One more thing before we get started. Next weekend, we're starting a brand new series called Misfit Messiah. We don't know this because we're used to Jesus, but Jesus was a super misfit. Nobody was expecting Jesus to do the things that he did. The image that people had of what Messiah would be was completely different than what Jesus showed up being. And so we're going to learn a ton. We're going to take a little middle section of the book of John. We're going to rip it apart. It's going to be really good. That's one of the things we do here at Fierce is we jump into God's word. We're believing that it's going to be really anointed. It's going to speak to our hearts. And that's what I'm believing for you and I today. We're talking about what to do after a surprise suffering or sorrow or stress. You guys know what this is like, right? Hey, what's up, people online? I didn't see you. There you are. Hey, we see you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. We love you too. It's awesome that you're here. You know also about stress and suffering and sorrow. You can't not after the last two years that we've had. You can't not, you know, be a little bit winded after all of the suffering and stress and sorrow that we've been through. You've been through it. You've had things that were like, well, that was kind of mild stress, right? You know, you, you gained a little weight during COVID. Okay, that's a, that's, that's a little bit. Others of us though, you know, you got into the house with people or maybe you shared an apartment and you weren't used to being around everybody so much. And so now you're like, oh, oh, they have a flesh and it's much worse than I thought. And so you just, you had a little bit more conflict in your marriage. Or maybe it's with the kids. Now they're home. And now you're, like, you're trying to figure out how to help them while you're also trying to do your own thing. And it just provides some stress. And there's other kinds of stress too. There's the kind of stress that is out of the blue, a shot in the jaw. It's, it's out of the blue. It's saying, I never expected this. In fact, this is the opposite of what I expected. I was a part of a church plant years ago. And after a year, it fell apart. And it was, I was so like shell-shocked. I was like, what the heck just happened? That's the opposite of everything that I thought was going to happen. Well, that's what's happening with the disciples as we find them on Easter night. That's where we're going to pick it up. And you got to know they're full of sorrow and suffering and they're a little bit shocked 
because everything that they thought was going to happen did not happen. And now, you know, they've heard a little bit of rumors. They've heard Mary seems to think she saw somebody. Maybe she says it was Jesus, but we, we don't know. Who knows? And then you got John and Peter, and, you know, they're saying, hey, the tomb is empty. But, man, we're so surprised by everything that we don't even know what to believe. And so the disciples, the apostles, you got 10 of them. Okay, Judas is dead. Thomas is not there for some reason. We don't know where he was that night. But they're locked up, and they're behind the doors. And they're like, man, we just don't know because clearly Jesus' enemies could get to him. What's to stop them from coming to get us? We're probably next. So they're quaking in their boots. They're shivering. And I think they're asking this question. Maybe you've asked this. You ever asked the question, did I just totally get that wrong? Like I was sure. Maybe for you, it was like about a person. You were sure. It was about a life decision they made. You were sure, man. But then it, like it just, man, it just, it was the opposite of everything expected. That's what these guys are thinking right now. And then let's pick it up at verse 19. Now, when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut, where the disciples were together due to fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, peace to you. What happened? Now, remember, they haven't seen him yet. Jesus came. That's the gospel right there. Jesus came, and he stood in their midst, and he said, peace to you. That was the first thing that Jesus said to his disciples. That's the first thing that he wanted them to know. He's like, I know that you might be worried right now that I'm going to, you know, we're going to have some, some shaming right now because all y'all abandoned me or we're going to have a feedback session. I'm going to tell you, here's what you don't do next time. And that's not what he did. He said, the first thing you need to know after you know that I rose from the dead is God's message to you is peace to you. That's the message, disciples, that you need to get. And when he said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. They rejoiced. You know what they didn't do? They didn't get hung up on the fact that Jesus didn't just reverse all their pain, right? Like Jesus didn't take away the sorrow. He didn't make the past three days unhappen. And Jesus is with us. He doesn't always take away the sorrow, but he's with us in the sorrow. By the way, you can say amen on Easter Sunday anytime you want. I just want you to know there's not a schedule here. There's not a limit on how many you can say. So you can just really just say it through the whole doggone worship experience. You can just, you know, command C, the, the, the word amen, and just keep on repeating it in the chat if you want to. That's fine. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. Just as my Father has sent me, I also send you. He says, okay, for first the message is God wants you to understand he means you peace and second, I'm about to resend you somewhere, okay? We did this before. The, the disciples remember, okay, in, in like Luke chapter 9 and 10, he sent out his disciples. They were to go do, their, do his ministry in his name. He's like, we're going to have something like that again, just as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. And it's important that we understand, just as the Father sent Jesus, it's really a continuation of Jesus' ministry. It's not like a new thing. It's not like he's like, hey, disciples, I don't know, whatever you can find to do. Do something. It's your thing now. It's not their thing. It's his thing. And we got to make sure that we're about his business. See, this is where churches get a little bit messed up sometimes. When we make other priorities other than Jesus' priorities the main thing, we get all out of whack, man. That's when churches start to make mistakes. They start to worry about celebrities, and they start to worry about this project or that thing. And we got to get back to the main thing. The main thing is Jesus Christ. That was a great place for an amen right there. Just in case you don't know how to do that yet, that's where that would go, okay? And when he said this, so cool. Check it out. When he said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, that's really important because 
He, he breathes some kind of like symbolic, something spiritually is ha- being transferred to them right after he says, yeah, I'm sending you on this mission. You're going to need this. You're not going to be able to go alone here. Here you go. Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they've been retained. But Thomas, one of the 12, who was called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So we don't know what happened. The, 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 we skip a sentence into like a some, at some point during the week, okay? It's not yet a week later. So, at some point, they see Thomas. We don't know where they saw him, but they, they see him. They, they tell him about this. So the other disciples were saying to him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails and put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. I don't know where Thomas was. Where was he that night? Why wasn't he with the guys? Why wasn't he with his boys? What was he out doing? I don't know. I, I could understand sometimes when we're in suffering, we just kind of want to look, man, I'm going to isolate. I need to just cave, all right? I need to be away from the guys. But you know what we can see in Thomas? When you're not with the people who see Jesus, you're not very likely to see Jesus. When you're not with the people who are seeing Jesus, you're not very likely to see Jesus. But you know Jesus, don't you? He's so gracious. He's going to come looking anyway. He's going to come looking anyway. He's going to make another trip. Verse 26, eight days later, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came. Oh, there it is again. That's the Easter verse right there. Jesus came. Jesus came. The doors have been shut. They're still, they're still freaking out. Yeah, he's kind of like empowered them, but they're like, ah, we're still afraid. He stood in their midst and said, peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, he's like, this is why I came. Let me talk to Thomas. Place your finger here and see my hands and take your hand and put it in my side and do not continue in disbelief, but be a believer. And Thomas answered and he said to them, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said, because you've seen me, you've now believed. Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. Amen. You know, so sometimes sorrow, this is my pastor juice, it ain't, it's not booze, just so you know. Um, sometimes sorrow has a way of attacking our value. We feel like, well, if I'm so important to God, why is he letting this happen? That's what they might've been like. I thought we were like Jesus's guys. Why all this sorrow? Why why is he letting this hit us? And you might've felt that at some point. Like I'm supposed to be like a child of God. Why is all this going wrong then? And Jesus comes and he wants to Help his disciples understand. Here here we go. We're going to go into the points here. After unexpected stress, suffering, and sorrow, Jesus wants his followers, number one, reassured that God keeps his promises. Reassured that God keeps his promises. Jesus came, and he said, peace to you. He's like, guys, hey, you're not crazy. You, You weren't crazy to keep believing that I would come. And here's the thing, yo. Jesus will come. He will come and save you. He'll come at the right time. You're not always going to like when he comes. You might wish he came a whole lot earlier, but Jesus is going to come at the right time. Somebody say at the right time. Somebody write in the chat, at the right time. That's when Jesus is going to come. And he says, guys, I need you to understand I fulfill my promises. I told you. I told you I was going to die and then rise again. Look at me now. Here I am. I told you I was going to do it, and here I am. And just like I did that, I'm going to forgive the guilty. And here's something that's new about Jesus that wasn't true before. <clears throat> he shows them the wounds in his hands, in his wrists, in his side. Now, Jesus has got a new resurrection body, so he doesn't have to worry about bleeding out all over the place. He's, he's operating in a higher level now. 
But he's like, guys, you need to understand, this is a testimony. This is a new credential for me. I identify with your pain. I identify with human pain. Sometimes we're like, well, God doesn't understand. God doesn't get what I'm going through. Jesus says, look again. I get it. I wanted to identify with your pain. I wanted to share your pain because I love you. And I need you to understand that I get you in a way that you can't even really understand. And we'd all say, well, Jesus didn't know about this. Listen to what Jesus knows. He knows what it's like to be innocent. See, it'd be different if he wasn't innocent. He could be like the other two thieves on the cross and just, you know, go to the cross and, well, it's just the pain of the cross. Jesus was innocent. And the scripture says he bore the wrath of God for every human sin throughout all time. That's the judgment that was poured on him for our sake. That's what he understands. He understands what it's like to be betrayed by the very, not only his friends, but the very people he created. He gets pain. And he says, just so you know, I get you. Even if you don't get how I get you, I get you. You need to know that God means you peace. And I want to connect with you in the midst of your pain. I knew a couple once. They had both, each partner had lost a child. And they were so ripped up and then they met. And as they got to know one another, they fell in love and they said it was over their shared pain. They were like, nobody else gets this. Nobody else understands the heaviness and the pain of losing a child. And yet they told me later, I don't know that I would have made it if I didn't have somebody to walk with me that got it the way that they got it. And Jesus says that to you and me. He says, you're not gonna think this is true of me, but I get it. I get it in a way that nobody else does. I share your pain. I want a fellowship in your pain. I want us to walk together in your pain. I don't need you to just treat me like I'm some distant person. You bring me your pain every day because I get it. And I'll walk with you. Even if nobody understands, Jesus says, I understand. That was a good place for an amen. Thank you. That was really good. Now here's what else he means though, because yes, he kept his promise to die for us and rise from the dead. And he's gonna keep his promise to now forgive the guilty. But here's what we gotta understand about the guilty. We gotta own that we are guilty in order to qualify for his forgiveness. That's how that works. And, and we don't like that. It's really easy to just kind of like, ah, that ain't really a big deal. I don't wanna, I don't have to look at that. And Jesus says, no, if we're, gonna, if we're gonna connect, just like the pain, if we're really gonna connect, we gotta walk in what's true. We need to look at this. Because we would say, like, like you, I would often defend myself. I'm like, ah, it wasn't that bad though. I mean, come on. I'm like, you know, circumstances would obviously mean that's not that big a deal. But I want you to think about this. Imagine you could see Jesus. Imagine you were there. He's on the cross. And he's dying, man. He's asphyxiating. He's bleeding out. He's going to die soon. And you're like, ah, it's not a big deal. And he looks over at you. He says, really? Then what am I doing up here? It's not a big deal? Then why am I doing this? You don't think it's a big deal? You don't think if there was any other way? You don't think if there's anything else that could have been done, I would have done a littler deal in response? This is the only deal. This is the biggest deal. I'm dying to pay the penalty for your sin. All of it is a big deal. All of it is a big deal. Now, Jesus knows that we're two people. He knows he's, he's, God's madly in love with you. And yet he knows that you and I have something about us, a sinful flesh that is distant and running from God. So apart from Christ, we're going we're gonna to do both. There's with Christ and apart from Christ. Apart from Christ, this is God's judgment on the matter. 
Romans 3.10, no, not one person has God's approval. No one has understanding. No one searches for God. I've had people tell me, well, Cardi, you know, I'm really seeking God. I'm like, no, you ain't. I mean, maybe in, in some sense, but you're not seeking him like the Lord would have you to seek him. Then John throws down the gauntlet. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. I'm like, dude, I, I know some really godly people. I'm sure you do too. I ain't never seen anybody. I'm like, yeah, well, that's pretty much how Jesus would do it. I've never thought that. And all that goes to show you is all of us are falling short. No one is measuring up to the standard of God's grace. Nobody is. That's why we need Jesus. And Jesus says, I need you to connect with me in the truth. I don't need you to just shuck it off. I don't need you to just, you know, race by it. I need you to look at it. I need you to call it what it is so that you and I can connect. You ever had a fake apology? You ever somebody like, they're kind of like, they're going into an apology and then they, you know, they jack it up somehow. Okay. Married people, you got to know about this, man. Right. Somebody's apologizing. They're like, well, I'm sorry that you misunderstood me. I'm sorry that clearly you're not competent to understand what I was doing. I'm sorry you took it that way. And that's what we do with God sometimes. We're like, wow, God, you know, I'm sorry. But sometimes we're just sorry we got caught. Or we're sorry that there's consequences for that. Or we're kind of sorry, but we're not, we're not really going to think about it. And Jesus says, no, no. For you to enjoy the promise kept, you need to think about it. You need to understand it's a big deal and it's forgiven. It's a big deal. It's not a big deal if it's a little deal and then it's forgiven. It's a big deal if it was a big deal and it was forgiven. And Jesus says, now we're walking in truth. Now we're together. And because you know this now, and this is the most wonderful thing on earth, now you never have to be afraid. You never have to be afraid that somebody's going to find something out. You never have to be afraid, well, if God learns this, no, God already learned it all. And you guys talked about it. Now you know that he knows all the junk. And he says, and I still choose you and I still want you. I still want you close. I don't know if you've ever had a relationship like that where you just don't have to be afraid because I already know they know everything. There's nothing left to hide. That's a very different thing than when you're kind of like, you're always, you know, you're guarded and you're like, well, I better not bring that up or I'm gonna have to figure out how to lie about that. No, when you've got a really tight relationship, that's why Jesus wants us to walk in the truth. He's like, I wanna be tighter with you than anybody. In order for that to be true, we gotta walk in what's true. Somebody say amen. And if we do that, here's what we're gonna be able to say, like the psalmist, Psalm 32, verse one, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt. It's not that they were never guilty. It's that the Lord cleared it. The Lord said, oh, oh, no, no. I've got someone else to pay for this. You're free to go. I'm erasing all that. I'm putting in Jesus' obedience here. He's paying the penalty. You're good. Whose lives are lived in complete honesty. In 1830, here's a weird story. In 1830, there was a man by the name of George Wilson who was arrested, arrested for mail theft, and the penalty for that was hanging. Can you believe that they're going to hang somebody for mail theft? I'm like still trying to figure out what was in the mail, that like there's even that law. You know what I'm saying? I'm just thinking, what are they sitting around and be like, well, we ain't got Netflix yet. You want to steal some mail? Like, I don't know. I don't know what you, how you get there, but that's where they were, okay? And George Wilson steals some mail. The penalty is you're to be hanged. And then President Andrew Jackson pardons him, like gives him pardon. Ah, oh, well, you're not gonna, you don't have to be hanged. And this guy refuses the pardon. Can you, can you imagine that? I'm like, this guy's double dumb, stealing mail and refusing the pardon. And so they didn't know what to do. They were like, well, do we 
what do we do? The president said he's, he's free to go. He says, I don't want your free to go. And so they brought it to Chief Justice John Marshall, handed down this decision. This is what he said. A pardon is a slip of paper, the value of which is determined by the acceptance of the person to be pardoned. If it is refused, it is no pardon. George Wilson must be hanged. He was pardoned, and yet he turned down the pardon, and he kept the penalty. And that's why it's so important to Jesus. He's like, I need you to accept the pardon. And to accept the pardon, you've got to understand the guilt. We've got to walk in truth together on this so that you can accept the joyous pardon that is yours if you take it. Somebody say, if you take it. So this is what these disciples know. They're like, hey, um, I don't get everything. I don't understand what just happened. I don't really understand the whole cross thing and the blood thing. Like they weren't instantly, you know, seminary professors. They didn't understand how this all works just that day. Jesus didn't whip them a theology book and be like, well, study so you get it. No, he, all they knew was Jesus is here in the midst of my pain, keeping his promises. And I don't understand why, but I know he's telling the truth. I know he can be trusted. I know he's gonna love me and he's gonna fulfill his word. Well, sometimes it's our value that's challenged. Other times it's our purpose that's challenged. Sometimes when you're, when you're just really clobbered, when you've wiped out like these guys did, you're like, I don't even know what we're doing. What are we doing again? All I know is like, I'm trying not to die. When your life has just been jostled, it's so easy to just get like, man, I got some kind of like, you know, emotional vertigo. I don't know what to do or how to do it. And Jesus wants to reassure them too. So number two, first, number one, reassured that God keeps his promises. Number two, refocused and resent in the power of the Holy Spirit. So it sounds weird at first, but stick with me. He breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them. <clears throat> this word breathe is super cool. It reminds us of Genesis chapter two, when the father breathed into Adam and he became a living being. And we're reminded of Ezekiel chapter 37, where the Lord, says, the Lord shows Ezekiel this valley of all these bones, dead bones. There's no life in there, man. And, and, and the Lord says, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And he knows not the, you know, he's God, I, whatever you do is what's going to happen. So I guess if you say they're going to live, that, that's what's going to happen. And then the Lord raises up this army out of these bones. And the point is, God alone brings life, and God even brings life to the dead. God brings life and brings life to the dead. And he's telling these apostles, he's saying, before you go, I'm giving you this mission, but before you go, you need to understand, we need a new you. The old you isn't going to work for your new mission. That worked before. Now we have a new thing. Now I'm doing a new thing. I'm giving you a related mission, but it's still, you need a fresh new anointing. Sometimes when we've been wiped out, we're full of sorrow and stress and suffering, we can't go back to who we were before. We got to start fresh. And God says, I've got fresh mission. I've got fresh revitalization. This is really the moment that I believe these apostles, even though they were apostles, just like Jesus said in John chapter three, they still needed to be born of the spirit. They need to be born again. And Jesus breathes on them and there was something that changed about them. And they're, okay, now I'm ready to do what God is asking me to do. Jesus says, just as the Father has sent me, so I send you. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven. He, he slows them down. Now, now, just to contextualize this for those who are thinking about this kind of thing. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit is poured out. The Holy Spirit is given to the entire church. It's Pentecost, baby. It's a madhouse. It's incredible. It is the fulfillment of Joel chapter two. God is pouring out his spirit on his church and it's dope and it's awesome. But before that, God has taken his guys. He's saying, 
Hey guys, before we even get there, I need you to receive this ministry of forgiveness. See, this whole thing is about forgiveness. This whole thing is about Jesus forgiving you and then you walking in that and then you demonstrating that. See, he wasn't just telling these guys, hey, I want you to just be forgiven. He says, I want you to demonstrate forgiveness to everybody else. If you're one or like, I don't even know what to do then. Let's just focus on one thing. Let's start at the very beginning. The whole central idea here is you are forgiven, therefore go and forgive. Go tell other people about Jesus' forgiveness. That's how it works. And when we make it about other things, when we start, well, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do my own thing. I don't focus on me. Like, did you notice? He didn't tell them to like, I'll start having Bible study and memorizing scriptures. And it's not that those are bad and those are very healthy, but that's not where Jesus started. He said, look, man, the whole operating system is forgiveness. The reason you're in is because you were forgiven. Now you gotta go do the very thing that was given to you. That's the message. God forgives, demonstrate forgiveness. How many are gonna say amen pretty soon? So demonstrate forgiveness. Forgiveness was basic to Jesus' ministry. And here's the problem. When we focus on ourselves, now listen, 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 listen. We focus on ourselves, it's a de-accelerator of moving forward in the plan of God. I know it sounds weird. You do the opposite of what you think you do. It's a de-accelerator if we focus on us. It's an accelerator if we focus on helping others, helping them understand the message, helping them be forgiven just by demonstrating forgiveness in their direction. And sometimes God doesn't deliver us right away. Sometimes he allows us to go through suffering and sorrow and stress because he's trying to teach us compassion. I'll bet you these disciples, now that they've been kind of like run through, they're not high and mighty anymore. They're not being like, well, man, we just the guys. No, nah, y'all just ran like little babies. That's what you did. And you ran with your tail between your legs, meaning you ain't all that. And sometimes Jesus teaches us, you need to get a little, a little more lessons on you ain't all that. Now you can start to feel for other people. Now you can imagine maybe you're just a little bit too hard on them. Maybe you just answered too quickly. Maybe you were just young and didn't really think through how that feels to be in that body. And so he imparts compassion through sorrow. But you know what else helps? Church helps. Church helps. Where was, where was Thomas? Like the, the guys, they were the church at, at that moment. Where's Thomas? Thomas, I don't know where Thomas is. They're there and they're seeing Jesus. Thomas, what, was he out at the lake? Is he at the beach? Is he out, you know, out in the forest? And, and listen, I, I get this, man. People tell me all the time, well, Carter, I don't need to come to church. I just have church outside. Just have church out in nature. And on one level, I get that, man, because I can do that. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's a real thing. That's a spiritual thing. I can walk among the trees. I can go fishing. I can feel like, man, God is so beautiful. Like, look at all of his creation. I just, I learn about him. I'm just like, he's so powerful. Look at all that he did. And, and you know, there's a real spiritual interaction that's happening. And it is awesome. But can I tell you what? That ain't church. That is not the same thing. If you think that's church, let me challenge you. You have never sat under for a long period of time, the anointed word of God that grabs you. Because I've never been out in the trees and been like, oh my gosh, I'm convicted. God is talking to me. I've always been like, this is pleasant. And that's not all you need is this is pleasant. You need the living, active word of God that cuts deeper than soul and bone and marrow and all that stuff. That's what we need. So I want to challenge you. It's a friendly challenge. Why don't you just come to Fierce for the next three months? Why don't you just do every Sunday? Okay, if you think I'm wrong, prove me wrong. Why don't you just do every Sunday and get under the piping hot word of God and see if God himself doesn't do something a little deeper than what he would do on the pond, because he will. 
because that's how God does it with his word. I can't believe I didn't get more amens at that one, but that's all right. You know why? Because forgiveness. So we're just going to move on. But for real, why don't you just take three months, man, man, do, do the connect classes, do all the things. And then you can come to me and be like, well, Carter, I tried it. And I'm like, bro, I'll give you a high five. I'll respect you. I'm like, God, you better chase them with an angel because I don't know what's wrong with them. They need to be around God's piping hot words. I'm going to say God's word. Because here's the deal, man. You need this book. You need this book. That's why it's written. It says, so the man or woman of God can be complete. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. We need it. That's why we got to get around it. And dude, you might as well have, like I ain't a dope Bible teacher, but I'll yell at you from time to time and you'll feel like it's dope, okay? So that's the challenge. Who knows what Jesus would do if we would just give, himself, give ourselves to his word. Here's number three. Number one was reassured that God keeps his promises. Wrote, number two, refocused and resent in the power of the Holy Spirit. And number three, reinvited to believe. Reinvited to believe. Thomas can't move forward until he believes. The other guys can. They can just go. They can just do what they were supposed to do. Thomas can't, and Jesus gives him another chance. He says, Thomas, I love you. I don't want to do this without you. I'm going to come find you again. I'm going to come looking. He's re-invited. He was invited already, but he's re-invited to believe. And sometimes, my friends, we can't move past suffering until we decide, I don't know. I don't know why it happened. I don't know what it was. I don't know what it is. I'm just going to decide to step out in faith and believe. You know what belief is? It's acting like God is telling you the truth. That's really all it is. It's not this like strange abstract thing. It's just saying, he says it. I'm going to act like what he says is real and true. And I know you know how to do this because every time you get in the car, you're demonstrating belief. You believe you're going, it's going to take you where you're trying to go. Every time you get in a jet, you believe it's going to take you where you're trying to go. It's, it's belief. You're just trusting that it's going to happen. And Jesus says, trust me. That's what he says to Thomas. I love Thomas, man. Tom, what I really respect about Thomas is he's not willing to just like say it so everybody gets off his case. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's talking to the disciples. He's like, hey, um, I'm never going to say this until I put my hand in his side. Like, I know you want me to believe, but I can't, I can't go against my conscience and say something is true that isn't true. And Jesus loves him and Jesus is with him. And Jesus got grace for that. He's like, oh yeah, man, I, I love you. I accept you just the way you are. And then Jesus challenges him. Did you see what he said? He said, and Thomas, do not continue in disbelief, but be a believer. Jesus can both accept us where we are, but have you, have you thought this through? Sometimes, and I'm not saying that we don't search for answers and, and coming to faith is a journey and there's certain things that, we, yeah, we actually have to get those questions answered for us to be able to say this with Thomas. But Jesus says to Thomas, I feel like you're just on the edge, Thomas. Now just believe, <laughs> just believe, just decide. I know enough to start the journey. Sometimes you gotta start the journey. Somebody say start the journey. You just gotta start the journey in order to go to the next step. And so now here's Thomas. He's the world's most famous doubter. And he says, my Lord and my God. He says, Jesus, I was wrong to not say that from the beginning. That's who you are. And I will, if you tell me to believe, then that's what I will do. These people saw Jesus, they believed his promises, they trusted that what he said did happen, so that means what he says will happen, will also happen. Here's what we know. Believing is trusting that Jesus is telling you the truth. Believing, baby, that's all it is. It's just trusting that Jesus is telling you the truth. 
It's trusting that everything that Jesus was telling them was gonna come to pass. It's trusting that everything Jesus said to you and I through God's word is going to come to pass. Let me give you some examples. Those who believe in Christ will never taste death. John 8, 51. Doesn't mean that their body won't die, but it means for them, it'll just be like a, a skip across the creek. Boom, still alive, now better than ever. Those who trust Christ, no one will be able to snatch them out of, their, out of God's hand. Not even them. Those who trust Christ, you will be with Jesus in paradise, just like the thief on the cross. Those who trust Christ, you've crossed over out of death into life. Those that trust Christ, you're gonna find that as you wait upon the Lord, he will renew your strength like the eagle. You're weary and you're worn out and you're tired, trust Christ again. Believe, act like what he says is true, is true. And you'll find that it starts to activate. And Jesus is pleading with Thomas and he's pleading with us. He's like, man, look, look, at the end of the day, I can do your life better than you can do it. I can respond to the people in your life better than you can. I know the things that you don't know. I'm smarter than you. I'm wiser than you. I'm more powerful than you. I can live Jesus through you better than you could ever do it on your own. Believe. Just believe it. Just believe it. Just trust and try. I remember the day that I just believed it. I'd been wrestling. I've been going back and forth. I'm like, I've still got my own things that I want to do and I got my own will and I'm afraid God's going to mess it up if I... If I let him in, and then I was, I was in an apartment with some friends, people I didn't know, and we're all sitting there, and, and the girl whose apartment was it, it was had a Thomas moment with me in front of everybody. She said, look, if you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, if you haven't said, my Lord and my God, get on your knees right now and do it. I got to tell you, yo, I was ready. All I needed was that push. I was looking for an opportunity. I didn't even know what I needed, but all I needed was that push. And I got on my knees and, and there was people I didn't know there and I didn't care. You know, I didn't care because I was ready. I was like, my Lord and my God, I don't care what these people think. I, I'm making a beeline for Jesus because I know that's what I need. I need somebody to take away the guilt of my sin. I need somebody to give me wisdom and passion and power for life. I need somebody to help me be what I'm supposed to be. So here's my challenge today. Can we say with Thomas, can you say it? my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God. Because here's what Jesus says to you. He says, I love you. I understand your pain. I identify with your pain. I mean you good. I've got good plans for your mission. I wanna hone the mission. I wanna revive the mission. I wanna revitalize. I wanna fill you up my spirit. I wanna send you forth so that there's passion and purpose in your life and I can do it. Just like I rose from the dead, I can fulfill all my other promises as well. And now, on Easter Sunday, we respond to Jesus. And so I just wanna invite you. Maybe you've never done this before. Maybe, maybe you've done it plenty of times before. But right here on Resurrection Day, let's bow our heads. And for those that are ready, I'm not forcing you to do something you don't wanna do. But for those who are ready, we're gonna bow our heads, close our eyes. You know you're ready to receive Christ when you're at the end of yourself. That's how you know. So just praying with me in your heart. Father, I am at the end of myself. And I thank you that Jesus came and wanted me. I'm thankful that you want me with all my mess, with all the stuff still in. And God, I'm just sorry. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for pushing back. I'm sorry for my doubt. I can't promise I'm not gonna do it again. But if, if you're just saying that you want me just as I am, here I am. And I, I, I raise the white flag of surrender. And I believe, I'm just gonna believe it. I'm gonna act like what you say is true. I'm gonna trust that you forgive all my sin. 
that you forgive me, that you grab my hand, that you say you want me, and that you're going to walk me home. I believe that I am forgiven, that I am born again by the Spirit of God, and I'm going to heaven. And with Jesus, I'm going to enjoy the journey. Now with everybody's eyes still closed, every head still bowed, nobody's looking. But Jesus said this in Matthew 10, 32, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. With your eyes still closed, just as a way to acknowledge before Jesus here on earth, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks, but I'm asking you, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart, I wanna ask you to raise your hand up on the count of three as a public demonstration to Jesus alone, that Jesus, I mean this, my Lord and my God, I'm at the end of myself. Here we go on the count of three. One, two, three. My Lord and my God, thank you, Jesus. Come on, Thomas, put them up. My Lord and my God, I trust you. I thank you for saving me. I thank you that you came to get me. I thank you that you know me. I thank you that you know the plans and the purposes for my life. I thank you that I am forgiven now and forever free. I thank you that you're going to take me all the way home to heaven. I thank you that you want a personal relationship with me. I thank you that you want to know me in the deepest ways on a spiritual level with all my sin, with everything I've done wrong, with all my pain. You say you embrace me and I receive it, Jesus. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible preaching community that has its heart set on passionately knowing Jesus and being his witness in our generation, check out Church. We'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast available wherever you get your podcast from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.